And what's good, y'all? What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelka TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Josh Shields. Hope those of you all out there had a great, uh, for what it was, a great uh, Merry Christmas on uh, this past Friday, yesterday, as we come to you here on Christmas weekend, the 26th of December, the last Saturday of 2020. Uh, as we will, as I talk to you now about what's gone on the last uh, couple of days within the world of sports, uh, re- give you my thoughts on the NBA season and the games that I've seen the first couple of days of the brand new season here at the top. Recap the Christmas game and Alvin Kamara's uh, historic Christmas on uh, yesterday against the Vikings. And then, of course, the first two games, as I'm recording this, the fir- the third game between the, the Dolphins and the Raiders is going to be kicking off in a couple of minutes as, the, as of this uh, point in time right now that I'm recording this. But the first two games on Saturday have already been in the books, and I will recap that. Preview the three uh, key, vital, important, whatever you want to call it, games of Week 16 on Sunday. And, of course, my Week 16 picks against the spread. Let's uh, let's change it up a little bit. And instead of like I've been doing essentially since the baseball season ended for essentially uh, two months, and that's just football, 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 let's give you a little bit of basketball here at the top as uh, far as the NBA is concerned. Uh, opening night. I uh, did not see much of Lakers and Clippers on uh, late on Tuesday night. I did see the major. I did see the majority. I didn't need to see all, all the you know from. I didn't need to stay for the entire fourth quarter because the game was just an absolute slaughtering by halftime. I saw the Nets uh, destroy the Warriors twenty five to ninety nine on Tuesday night and. Uh, it looks like that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant that their partnership has worked out well. Granted, it's only two game; they're two games into the season, and I'll get to their game that they, I'll get to their uh, performance on Friday against the Celtics in a minute. But I know it's only two games, and so you know there's a, plenty of basketball left, and you don't know what twists and turns are going to uh, rear their ugly head as the season goes along. But I, I, I tell, I tell you this: uh, they, the Nets, the Nets are going to be good. That's not a surprise to any of you all out there. The Nets are going to be good. They're going to be competitive. Um, they're going to be good. They're going to be competitive. But my idea is, uh, my idea is that after after I saw that game on Tuesday, and, and it was just me. I said I looked at that game and I said, "Good God, are the are the Golden State Warriors are in trouble?" I mean this this team with Steph Steph Curry essentially has has to carry this has to carry this basketball team. I mean on Thursday he put up he put up twenty he put up let me give you give you his stats put up twenty points had twenty points had ten assists and four rebounds. Yeah, uh, Wiseman, Oubre Jr., Andrew Wiggins, they got they got nobody. Their bent their bench is horrendous. They their bench is horrendous. No Draymond Green, of course. Clay Thompson is out for the season with a torn ACL. So I mean, this this team, this team, the Golden State's going to be bad this year, folks. I mean, they, they you would expect them to be competitive because of Curry by himself. But when you take Steph Curry off the floor, this team is is just a complete wash. They cannot they cannot they cannot make their jump shots. 
Their their defense is, is horrendous. I mean, they're, they're going going Golden State's going to be is in major 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 trouble in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. I mean, they, they they got no bench other other than Curry. Who do they have? This this team is 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 outside of Curry again. Outside of Curry, this is not a good roster from top to bottom, and their bench, like I said, is horrendous. Nets on the other hand, you know, they're flying high first two games of the season. Still would like to see how well how well. Uh, KD and Kyrie get along and see how well they can uh, live, quote unquote, live with each other as teammates, you know, when they are, you know, come middle of, uh, well, wouldn't be middle of February, more or less middle of uh, March or April. When it's, when you're about the halfway point in the season and you you know and you've lost five of and you've lost uh, five of five of seven, be interesting to see how well they get along then and how, and how their attitudes would be. Then granted, they're going to be a dynamic duo that's going to produce plenty of success, regular season success for Brooklyn. Don't get me wrong, but you know I need to see if this, if these two can really. Uh, succeed and are in it for the long haul once we get into the thick and thin or once we go through that thick part of of the 2020-2021 Brooklyn Nets basketball season because it's easy to be, you know, best buds now, two games in, you know, Christmas spirit and a good mood and anything else. What, what, how are they going to react and how are they going to behave and how are they going to treat each other and how is how is the culture within a locker room and the relationship between the, between them two going to be Come come March, if we're still, you know, if if all goes well and the NBA doesn't have to pause their season, how how well of a, of a, of a relationship are they going to have, and how well will the Nets play basketball come March, come March, April, and May? That will be a question. It's a little, uh, getting along great first, great, great, but how how are things going to be come springtime? Now, typically, springtime will be playoff time, but playoff time this year is summer instead of it being the spring. So, and the midway point of the season is going is more or less is spring instead of the uh, instead of the late uh, late winter. How how are they going? How are they going to treat each other? And how's the chemistry between them two going to be then? But as far as Golden State is concerned, they Golden State is they they are in for a long season long season as far as the Lakers and the Clippers are concerned listen what the Clippers do in game one of 72 or game one of 82 means nothing uh, Paul George could put up 33 points to the cows come home what matters to me and what matters to the Clipper fans and all the other basketball fans out there that want that want to take the Clippers seriously is you know can you show up in the big game so we leave, so that's so we leave the Clippers. We leave the Clippers be on Christmas Day. First of all, on Christmas Day, the games were non-competitive whatsoever. I mean, the first first game was a blowout. First game was a blowout. Warriors Warriors Bucks wasn't was a joke again. The Warriors in for a long season. Uh, Nets just stomped all over the Celtics. The Mavericks were non-competitive against the Lakers. And the Nuggets and Clippers game that fit, that wrapped up, I would imagine, at like one thirty Eastern time, was not a competitive basketball game either. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just all the games from top to bottom on th- on a Christmas Day were just non-competitive, close basketball games, which was what you'd like to see on a national stage Christmas Day, especially during a pandemic. I got nothing else better to do. Uh, other than watch NBA basketball, or or if uh, Vikings and Saints tickled your fancy, and not one basketball game uh, was comp- was uh, compelling enough to stay for all four quarters. I mean, it's just a fact that a matter of it is. But I break them down here for you anyway. Lakers, uh, the Pelicans in the Heat. Uh, Zion Williamson did what you expect them to do: thirty-two points, fourteen rebounds, and an assist. Pelicans gonna be good, good, gonna be a good team this year at all. But it's it. My only question is, it just all depends on if Zion can stay healthy and stay on the court long enough. Miami, I think Miami. Look out for Miami. Jimmy Butler did not have, only played sixteen minutes, left the game with an ankle injury, but Miami is going. Miami's going to be in decent shape to give the uh, to give the Nets a run for their money to take to uh, take the Eastern Conference. Because I I don't know what it is, but I I got a weird feeling about my. 
Miami could end up making a run and upsetting the Nets if they uh, so meet each other down the line in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, game number two was between the Warriors and the Bucks. The uh, mid to tail end of this game was going up against Vikings and Saints. It'd be interesting to see uh, the rating comparison for those two, but not nevertheless. Uh, Warriors and the Bucks. I mean, Giannis. Giannis, Giannis wasn't even the top scorer for the Bucks. It was Chris Middleton who put up, uh, who put up thirty one, who put up thirty one points for for uh, for the Bucks. Giannis put up fifteen points, thirteen rebounds, four assists. Uh, Chris Middleton had an excellent shooting day. He was uh, six for eight from beyond the arc, ten for fifteen shooting his field goals. Which he is their better. He is their best shooter by far. It's not Giannis. Giannis, as Trot has, as we've seen time and time again, has many problems with his jump shot. Chris Middleton does or doesn't have issues with his jump shot, which is why he was the leading scorer in the game. Uh, Warriors. I mean, like I said, Steph Curry put up ninety. He can't be the entire team. Steph Curry works best when he's got players that he, they, you know, to play off of him. Whether it's Clay, whether it's Durant, whether it's. Uh, uh, Draymond Green, the the Golden State is in for a long, long, long season. I mean, the the bench just isn't any good. I mean, I I don't know what else to say. The bench is just not that good, and their defense is is absolutely horrendous. Matter of fact, let me give you this stat. You know, the war through the first two games of the season, the Warriors have a negative sixty five point differential, the second worst in the history of the NBA through the first two games of the season, while the Nets have a point differential of plus fifty four, which 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 is crazy, which is absolutely nuts saying it out loud. Game number three, uh, w- between the Brooklyn Nets and the and the uh, Boston Celtics, uh, again, like I said, like I said a couple minutes ago, you went two and zero, great. What 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 what's going? What are you going to show me? And how? And what is your substance going to be of a basketball team when the tough gets going in April in uh, April in April and May? That that was that's when the rubber will meet the road. Uh, Kevin Durant twenty nine points, Kyrie Irving thirty seven points. Kyrie had a steal, eight assists, uh, six rebounds. Of course, uh, Ke- Kevin Durant twenty nine points, two steals, three assists, four rebounds in the game as well. Uh, phenomenal f- performance by those two. Well, meanwhile, the Boston Celtics, with Brad Stevens at the helm, uh, couldn't get much going. Uh, you can tell they really missed Gordon Hayward. Really missed Gordon Hayward. Uh, Brown put up twenty-seven points. Jason Tatum with twenty points in that game. Boston's at one and one on the young season. Nets have get to lose a game. They are a perfect two and zero. While the nightcap. Uh, well, not necessarily the nightcap, but the two night games, Mavs and the Lakers and then Clippers and the Nuggets. Lakers, uh, you know, it was, I guess you could say, quote-unquote, it was the most, com- you know, that the game was it was competitive to a certain degree for a good part of the game, technically. But uh, but the Lakers took care of business against the Mavs, 138 to 115. Anthony Davis, what can I say? A phenomenal player, MVP candidate, no doubt. 28 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Luka Doncic, 27 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. Mavs uh, dropped the 0-2, winless, uh, winless uh, after the first two games of the season while the Lakers are at 1-1. LeBron tweaked his ankle on Tuesday night in their loss against the Clippers. Said there was no way I'm missing Christmas. He he plays on Christmas, puts up his... Uh, Puts up his uh, 22 points and leaves the rest uh, for Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder. And Dennis Schroeder put up 18 points and Anthony Davis put up 28. So, And uh, that's where you stand as far as the Mavericks and the Lakers are concerned. While game, while the last game of the night, game that nobody saw unless you, lay, unless you live west of the Mississippi River. Uh, Clippers beat the Nuggets 121-108. to Nuggets are Nuggets are sitting at zero and two. Clippers are two and zero, undefeated on the year. Kawhi Leonard, let's hope he's okay. Took a big blow to the face, elbow to the face, which essentially, I mean, if you look at it on replay in slow motion, it's like an earth. It's like an earthquake was on his face. I mean, ugh, gruesome, gruesome, gruesome. But twenty one points, five rebounds, seven assists for Kawhi Leonard. Jokic, 24 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Both of these teams, I would expect to be in the thick of things. 
in the Western Conference, uh, Nuggets more so than the Clippers, because you just because if you've learned anything over the years, you just cannot trust the Clippers in a big spot. And regardless if it's Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, or uh, or uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Patrick Beverly, you just you still can't trust them. But that's where you stand as far as National Basketball Association is concerned. I've been into it, you know. It's you know. I haven't, you know, in the two games that have been competitive and the two and the two buzzer beaters was on, uh, what was that? I think it was on Wednesday and I wasn't, whatever I was doing, preparing for Christmas, whatever I was doing, I wasn't glued to a TV on Wednesday night, um, watching basketball. So the two, so the, so the two, uh, competitive games that everyone was ranting and raving about on Wednesday, I didn't see. When I have turned on the TV and watch on Tuesday and then on Christmas Day, I've gotten garbage. So let's hopefully, hopefully, uh, the quality and the closeness of the of these games picks up as the season moves along. Take a break. Recap some NFL games coming up right after this. Such a good song. Welcome back to the Amatelicatelius podcast. Switching gears now from the hardwood to the gridiron as we transition to matters as far as the National Football League is concerned. It was a game... On a Christmas Day in the National Football League, as was planned back in the springtime, and that game was a rematch of the 2019 NFC wildcard game that was played back in January between the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Vikings needed to win this game if they wanted a slither, if if they wanted their slither of hope of uh, being in playoff contention alive. Obviously, they lost and fall to 6-9 and nine on the season. They are, were eliminated with that loss yesterday. Uh, meanwhile, the Saints coming into this game trying to keep pace, if not uh, run for, or catch up from behind uh, the Green Bay Packers, uh, who's been, who, who have been flying as of late. And the Saints, if they were to get into a wild card with Green Bay, they'd lose because they lost to Green Bay head-to-head at the beginning of the season. And the Saints coming off of uh, a tough loss to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs on uh, Sunday, a mere uh, five six day, a mere five days prior to their game on uh, on uh, Friday, they improved eleven and four on the season. Minnesota six and nine. They win their division. The Saints do uh, with a fifty two to thirty three victory. Uh, and I, and before I sing Alvin Kamara's praises, let me just I, mean, I gotta say I gotta get a couple things off my chest. From Minnesota side, first off, the defense stinks. Uh, you allow Alvin Kamara to run for six touchdowns. I don't give a crap if if the last two or three were in garbage time and not. I could care less. You cannot, in any circumstances, allow a allow a running back on twenty two carries to run for one hundred fifty five yards on the ground and 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 six touchdowns. You you cannot, under any circumstances. I don't care 
who you play. I don't care who the running back is. National and some certain things should just not happen in the, in, in the National Football League. I don't care who's the coach. I don't care what team. I I do. I care less from Minnesota standpoint. And Mike Zimmer give him. And I'm not gonna say give him credit, but he did not have the game. The defense is terrible, and he's a defensive guy, and he admitted that. But I don't care. At the National Football League, giving up six rushing touchdowns and a and a, and a guy carrying the ball 22 times. He didn't carry the ball 30 plus times. Carried the ball 22 times on 155 yards rushing and six touchdown rushes on the game. In the in the National Football League, we're supposed to be the best of the best, the cream of the very crop. That is unacceptable. Straight up and down. Case closed. Can't defend it. That's item number one. Item number two, item number two. Uh, is uh before I get to Camaro, said Drew Drew Brees Drew Brees Drew Brees is uh is 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 is, is, is flirting with being shot at this point. Did not I understand coming off of the rib injury? I totally get that. But again, this Viking team is nothing to write home about under any circumstances. He th- threw he threw two interceptions in the game and was not great and, and was not great. Especially starting off like he and like he wasn't great in the Chief game. I understand playing two games in a week's time is going to take a toll on your body at, at in your early forties. I understand all that, but it wasn't like that. The Saints had to travel; they were home games. It's just that Drew Drew Brees Drew Brees may want to. I don't know whether he's thinking of hanging it up after the twenty twenty one season or not. But if I'm Brees. I'm thinking about making 2020 my last go around at it. I I I I honestly honestly do. And if and if not, then in the off season, if he wants to make 2021 his last year in front of fans, he need he's got he has to during the off season reinvent himself for one year and basically and the Saints basically have to do what the Broncos did in 2015, and that's essentially. Win games running the football and with great defense, and essentially use and essentially use the quarterback to make the necessary throws that have to be that have to be made. In other words, don't make Drew Brees throw the ball thirty times a game, thirty plus times a game. Simply like like if if. If the if Drew Brees wants to stick around, the Saints cannot win games with him throwing the ball more than twenty five times a game. Drew Brees has to throw that ball twenty 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 five times maximum, and has to essentially pinpoint and capitalize on every throw he makes, and not and not do anything stupid, because he's he's you know he looks like he's look he's looking like two thousand fifteen Peyton Manning out there to be quite honest with you. I mean, it. I mean, it's to a point where it's like where he's falling off. Again, maybe it's too premature because of injury, but it's almost as if it's like the only thing Drew Brees is just is good for now is the fact that he is the fact with his his um is is the is the mental capacity. It's like it's like it's the physicals falling off so fast that you're still better off having him start than Taysom Hill because he has that Super Bowl champion veteran mindset and he knows mentally what it takes to win that the that the young guy whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston doesn't have same thing with Peyton Manning you know the Broncos you know as far as as far as Peyton Manning's play in 2015 it probably wasn't that much better. Than Brock Osweiler, but the thing that Manning had over Osweiler is because is that Manning had the mindset and had an attitude and knew what it took as a veteran playing in the NFL at that time since 1998, uh, who's played at that you know heading in during that 2015 season, who who has won and played in three Super Bowls and many of AFC Championship games and have made it to the playoffs many of the times. Manning knew what it took to win games, and he and that and there's that mental element that regardless how old you are and how shot you are, uh, as far as your play is concerned, that mental capacity never leaves you. It stays with you until you retire. And I think that Drew Brees, 
a lot sooner than most of us probably have, would have anticipated, but it looks like he's airing that, he's going down that part of his career where if he wants to continue playing, he cannot throw the ball 30 plus times like he, like he used to. He just can't. He has to rely on Alvin Kamara, especially if Michael Thomas can't stay healthy and can't stay on the field. They got to get the ball to Alvin Kamara as much as possible. Let him do his thing and let the defense go out there and hunt. Case closed, simply put. Now, Alvin Kamara. I don't know where I don't know where Sean Payton's head was in the uh, in the Kansas City game. I mean he I mean if Alvin Kamara would have touched the ball twenty two times and ran for one hundred and fifty five yards, he would have beaten the Chiefs. Uh, I don't I don't know where his head was in the Chiefs game. I don't know where that offense was in the Chiefs game, but thank God it showed up on uh, on Friday. Uh, as Alvin Kamara put together one of the most historical perform- put together a uh, historical f- performance that you're ever going to get ties an NFL record with six rushing touchdowns in a game with a career high 155 yards running on the ground. And if you had an Alvin Kamara on your fantasy team during Championship Weekend uh, on Friday, God bless you. Because I went up against the guy in fantasy. Not that anybody cares about my fantasy, and I rarely and try to refrain from talking about my fantasy team. But I was, but I, I'm essentially dead as far as my hopes of winning the fantasy championship this weekend. Because Alvin Kamara put up, I think, a whopping 56 points in my fantasy league because he was that unstoppable on Friday. Game number one here on Saturday was between the Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. I don't know what you want me to say, but the Bucs were clicking. I understand, and I'm not going to go crazy about the Buccaneers beating the brakes off the Lions. The Lions, 5-10, and 10, another losing season. You know, rebuilding since 1957 is the old line. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go gaga on the Buccaneers blowing out the Lions by forty. I'm not gonna do it. You know when they play. You know when they play the Rams. When they play the Seahawks. When they play teams that are going to be in the thick of it, come the NFC playoff time. Then come let me know. Let me see how Tom Brady and Gronk and Leonard Fournette and and and, and Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. Let me see how they play when and how Bruce Arians coaches and how the defense performs. Let me know then when they go up against the NFC playoff team. No one's interested in the in the in the Detroit Lions. I'm sorry, just nobody's interested. Brady twenty seven twenty two for twenty seven three hundred forty eight yards passing, four touchdown passes in the game. Um, was pulled early in the second half uh, for Blaine Gabbert. Couldn't run the football, but when Brady's slinging the rock like he is at 43 years of age, it really doesn't matter. If you had Mike Evans on your fantasy team, God bless you. 10 receptions, 181 yards receiving, two touchdown catches on, on the day. I had Mike Evans on my fantasy team, but me being the idiot, did not decide to start him. Uh, this is my second fantasy league that I had him in, and I'm also in the championship in that one. So, and then not all hope is lost with that one because, you know, because I got Mahomes on my team, Mahomes and Kelsey on my team, so they should pick up the slack for Mike Evans quite easily going up against Atlanta tomorrow. But uh, I am not, I am no uh, Vince Lombardi, I am no uh, Vince Lombardi or Ernie Accorsi or Bill Belichick in any circumstances when it comes to putting, uh, when it comes to uh, managing these fantasy football teams. And Mike Evans, I I had Mike Evans on the bench, and I, I had Mike Evans on the bench in one league, and in the other league where I got burned by Alvin Kamara, I I had uh, I, I had uh, Tom Brady, and I and I had him sitting on the bench with Antonio Brown starting, which didn't do me much favors. Four receptions, a touchdown catch for him. And Tom Brady puts up one of his better performances of the 2020 season, and I get burned. But, hey, you live and you learn. You live and you learn. Uh, as Tampa Bay clinches a wild card spot and ends the drought uh, and ends their, uh, what, their 13, their 13 year playoff drought, haven't been to the playoffs prior to this year since 2000. And. Seven last game. Let me take a break. Preview week sixteen and and uh, move it along. Uh, San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, my good. I mean, and uh, listen, I'm on McVay, and I am I'm on McVay like white on rice. Uh, but I gotta, I gotta get on Cliff Kingsbury too. I mean, I mean, holy crap. I mean, you cannot. I mean, the 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 play calling 
that the play calling that this guy that this that this guy comes up with is absolutely astonishing. I mean, forget the idea that that with no timeouts left, he's calling you know he's call, he's calling pass plays in the middle of the field with eighty yards to drive down the field, no timeouts left, down by eight, and he's calling and he's calling these me, these medium de, these medium uh, deep passing plays in the middle of the field. Talk talk about how the guy you know his offense offense couldn't get themselves together at the go at the uh, at the goal line so he had to waste the time out there which you which you just knew was going to come back to bite him and then and then let's think about and then let's talk about how on a fourth and three at their own thirty five yard line score fourteen to twelve over nine minutes left in the fourth quarter Cliff Kingsbury decides to go for it on fourth and three. I mean when it's when it's when a forty nine defense has been has been essentially locking down the Arizona Cardinals offense day and night all game long. I mean really now Cliff King Cliff this is see what you see why I make fun of him and call him Klondike Bar. This is what we're gonna do now? Really? Cliff Kingsbury, fourth and three. Fourth and three, you have the ball at your own thirty-five yard line. Your offense has been inept all game long with uh with, you know, with Murray and and, and, and DeAndre. Your your offense has been inept all game long. Fourth and three at your own thirty-five yard line. You're up by two with not not five, not four, not three, not two minutes left. Nine minutes left of the game, and you just and you and you decide to go for it. Really now? Yeah, and 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 and, and a two point conversion. I mean, what in God's name was that? Was that play call on two point conversion? You got DeAndre Hopkins sitting there, one of the most dynamic, if not the best wide receiver in all of football. He's got a tremendous vertical that catches that catches the hard that, that makes hard catches look routine and you and and you going to uh, what 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 was that have him run a little have him essentially run up to the goal line and run a and run a little flat route and run a little out route i mean really with DeAndre Hopkins DeAndre Hopkins sitting there and you just run a little pathetic little 5 yard little flat to the outside really I mean, it's just, it's it's just, it's it's just dumb, dumb. Kenyon, Kenyon, Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake getting the ball eighteen times for a forty-five yard really. I mean, it's just I I I I I don't get it. I I honestly don't get it. Kyle Murray dropping back, throwing the ball fifty times again. I mean, what what what's what, what what's Kingsbury doing here? Fourth and three, the essentially the whole quarter left up by two, knowing that if they score a touchdown, you 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 gotta score, you gotta get the two point conversion, and you go for it, really. You burn up all your timeouts, so you essentially after two minute warning have nothing to work with, and we're calling little fight and we're and we're calling inside and we're calling inside uh, passing routes when you know when we're behind when we're behind when we're in in our own territory behind midfield down eight less than a minute left no timeouts. This is what we're gonna do now, Cliff Kingsbury. So overrated, and and it's not that again. It's not that I watched the Cardinals all that closely, so I can't tell you chapter and verse all the pettiest uh, play calls that uh, Kingsbury and the game time and the game decisions that he's had this season. But I mean, my goodness gracious! I mean, with the with the best receiver in football, Hall of Fame Larry Fitzgerald, and a dynamic Colin Murray, and you are four and four at home and eight and seven on the season, and now. Put the Bears in a situation where they control their own destiny to get to the NFC playoffs. Really, losing to a six and nine hapless San Francisco 49er team, starting CJ Beathard at quarterback, who prior to this game had only won one game as a starter in the NFL. Really, and and allowed Jeff Wilson Jr. to on a 22 case for a rush for 183 yards. And you're trying to be a playoff team, really. 
Cliff Kingsbury is overrated. I'm sorry. Uh, enough of him. I just uh, enough. My goodness great. Be just because you like you belong on the cover of GQ magazine, you're you know, and the and you're younger than forty five years of age and have a and have the suave haircut and and you know, dating these pretty women and and and, and no Sean McVay and coach Patrick Mahomes in college doesn't mean you're gonna translate to be a good NFL head coach. You know, you know, someone, someone on, tw someone on Twitter told me that you have, someone on Twitter told me he said you have to be a special type of trash, you have to be a special type of trashy head coach to get fired by your alma, but to get fired in your, by your alma mater in Texas Tech while also be in their athletic Hall of Fame. Think about that for a minute. In the Big Twelve, Cliff Kingsbury couldn't succeed with Patrick Mahomes sitting there as well. And uh, Baker Mayfield, and and he, and he couldn't and he couldn't win a thing, just because you know Patrick Mahomes and you coached him in college doesn't mean that you're some sort of a, of an offensive minded guru and a quarterback genius. Because obviously, judging by your record and what and what I've seen you do in these games, you're not. Enough of Cliff Kingsbury, please. Enough. You're down to eight, no timeouts left, Cliff. Call call some four verticals. What are you doing calling these little five-yard in routes for? My goodness gracious. Making Robert Sala out to be out to be freaking Buddy Ryan for crying out loud. Take a break. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelka TIS podcast. Switching gears now to Sunday action. Happen to run a National Football League. Uh, as you know how I do it, three games on tap that I find are the most significant as uh, and break them down for you. Game number one. But before I get to that, it's some NFL news I want to get on the board here. Uh, the Browns have four wide receivers, including Jarvis Landry, on their COVID list as uh, as close contact guys that will not be available on uh, they'll not be available tomorrow for their game against the Jets. Two straight games uh, that they will play in the Meadowlands, having played the Giants on Sunday night last week. Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins, Donovan Peoples Jones, and Car and Cardell Hodge. Are now are all on the COVID list, as well as linebackers B.J. Goodson and Jacob Phillips. Uh, they elevated Jamarcus Brad Bradickley and Derek Willis, and linebacker Mancho Meander from the practice squad to the active roster, who will play, uh, who will play on Sunday. So, and the Cleveland only has one wide receiver on their active roster, who will suit up. Not coming off of the practice squad, who will suit up for the Browns and play wide receiver tomorrow. Looks like the game will be on. Looks like one of those instances like the Broncos, where uh, their entire quarterbacks essentially had an outbreak amongst themselves and the entire team essentially, uh, and the and the entire team was uh, was healthy. So. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how Cleveland adjusts. As you can expect that you know that they're going to go up to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and say, "Hey, the kid us winning this football game is you two run, is is you two running the football." So and, and Cleveland isn't going to get any more one dimensional this season than they are tomorrow. Thankfully, it's against the Jets. But if you could take anything from last Sunday, whether it's you know the Jets beating the Rams on the road or the Bengals upsetting the Steelers on Monday night that it's any given Sunday and expect anything, especially in this crazy ass 2020 that we are all living in that will merciful, that will mercifully 
or merc however that will mercifully how do you pronounce the word Mercif- merc- mercifully mercilessly thankfully however the, however you, you understand what I'm trying to say thankfully will end come next Friday but but that's where you stand as far as Cleveland is concerned I want to give that item on the board for you here today uh now to go to the games game number 1 that uh, I that next to Seahawks and Rams have, and that, well, I, I, you can make a debate of how significant of a game it is of the entire weekend. But the Colts and the Steelers, Colts coming off of uh, getting lucky again, uh, beating uh, the Houston Texans by a hair, their chinny chin chin, thanks to fumbling at the goal line on the part of uh, on the part of Houston. They improved to ten four on the season. They are, and I mean within lockstep, I mean in lockstep with the Tennessee Titans, who are both 10-4 and four, uh, and tied for first place in the division. Both of these teams, unfortunately, have already played their two games. Colts, uh, Colts destroyed Tennessee in Tennessee, and then Tennessee destroyed Indianapolis in Indianapolis. So it is a shame that both of these two teams won't play each other week seventeen. That would, if that would be, if you're the NFL, you'd love to have these two teams at the same even record, whether it's at ten and five and ten and five or or uh, or ten and or uh, eleven and or eleven and four, eleven and four. Uh, week 17 for the division but because they played each other uh, once in December and once in uh, and once in November uh, th- that will not be the case so Indianapolis again going to uh, they need this game in the worst way imaginable because if there's going to be a game that Tennessee could lose it's definitely going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night, uh, they should have, quite frankly, because of how bad the Texans have been this season, they should have they should have blown them out both both meetings, but they have not. But they keep on winning games. So who what's this, who's who are you to complain about it? And they took care of business the week before last on the road against Oakland. They are ten and four on the season. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh licking their wounds and are just. Looking at themselves in the mirror, saying to themselves, "What the hell has gone on in the last three weeks?" I mean, they start out eleven and zero, have lost three straight, lost at home to Washington, which you know, which was surprising, but they needed it to to you know to relieve themselves of that undefeated pressure and to have that loss, which was supposed to bring them back down to earth, not bring them all the way down to the pits of hell. Which is where their which is where their play has gone. The week after Washington, they get absolutely uh, they get absolutely dominated by Buffalo on the road and just embarrass themselves. Uh, offense was non-existent. Wide receivers dropping every ball in sight. Ben Roethlisberger turned over the football, couldn't run the football worth a lick. And then you go to Cincinnati, you know, and then of course the Buffalo game, Juju. The TikTok dancing on midfield with Juju becomes a story because you hear the audio of Josh Allen in the pregame huddle in the tunnel saying, "Hey, we'll let them do all the bleeping dance and let's go out there and handle our business and take care and take care of our responsibilities." They do that. They beat Pittsburgh. Juju says, "Hey, I'm a beat." Sticks his digs his heels in and say, "I'm a hey, I'm a beat me. Screw you, screw all you quote unquote haters who don't like TikTok dancing." He does an Instagram live before he goes out to the midfield logo. Goes out to the Midfield logo gets himself filmed by Chase Claypool. TikTok dance on the Bengals logo after Von Bell had already warned him the previous Friday not to do it. And if he was going to do it, there were going to be consequences in between the white line. What he's doing, TikTok dances for the first quarter is even out on a drag route in the middle of the field. He gets lit up and fumbles the ball. Uh, Von Bell lights, lights him up like a Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. He fumbles the football, and and the momentum of that game essentially outside of one offensive drive in the beginning of the third quarter, where Green, where uh, Pittsburgh got back into it. Outside of that one drive, the momentum completely shifted towards the Cincinnati Bengals and essentially dominated them for the rest of the game. They dropped three straight. Steelers' winning streak, five-year winning streak of beating the Cincinnati Bengals collapses with that loss, uh, and they fall to, and they fall to th- and they fall to eleven and three on the season. They need this game in the worst way imaginable to keep their playoff, not to keep their playoff hopes alive, but to keep their uh, division hopes fly because if they lose this game, 
and and the Browns with no wide receivers end up beating the Jets. Week seventeen is going to come down to who wins the AFC. Who comes down to who wins the AFC North? If Cleveland takes care of the Jets, they will improve to eleven and four. And if Pittsburgh loses to the Colts at home, they will uh, they will fall to eleven and four. And uh, and essentially that week seventeen game will decide the division. Yes, Pittsburgh beat the crap out of Cleveland back earlier in the season, but this is a completely different. Even with their wide receivers COVID, in fact, this is a completely different Pittsburgh Steelers team. This is a completely different Cleveland Browns team. So if you want drama and if you want excitement, what you want is for Cleveland to beat the Jets, albeit no wide receivers, and for the Colts to take care of business against the Steelers and possibly while also helping the drama factor in AFC North's case, decreasing the drama in AFC South's case, because you'd figure Tennessee would lose to Green Bay and if and if the Colts and essentially if 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 one team wins another team loses, there's gonna be this you're gonna have your separation uh between the who between Tennessee and Indianapolis of who wins the AFC South. But Pittsburgh needs is getting worse way imaginable. They are now the three seed in AFC South, not the two seed nor the one seed. One seed is is uh Kansas City and the two seed is uh is Buffalo. So uh, they're they're in trouble. They're in trouble. And they easily could be looking at uh they easily if this uh if this if the rest of this season falls away from they easily could be looking at playing a road playoff game where they would be playing let's find that out right now if if they lose out and uh and Cleveland gets the division let's see let's see let's okay so the Steelers and the Browns would essentially flip flop Steelers would get the five, so it would be the one gets the bye, two plays the seven, three plays the six, four plays the five. So they, if they become a wild card spot, they essentially would have to go on the road to play either Tennessee or Indianapolis, if I have that correctly. No, wait, they would, they would, if they lose, they'd have to fall to the six, regardless who wins the AFC South. They would they wouldn't be they wouldn't be better than Indianapolis because they would lose to Indianapolis. So they could end up playing the third seed, which could be Cleveland in the first round. And e- and even if they win the division, they also could be looking at playing Baltimore, which I know the Pits which I know the Steeler Faithful does not wanna have to experience and uh, go through, but that's where you stand as far as Indianapolis and Pittsburgh is concerned. Game number two is at 425. That game we played between the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. Rams coming off of one of the work, one of the most unacceptable, inexplicable losses you can ever uh, imagine. Losing to the hapless at the time, well, they still are hapless, but the winless. New York Jets at home, uh, falling a nine and five on the season. And if they lose this game, they essentially do not control their own destiny as far as making the playoffs as a wild card team. And and the and their chances of winning the division is pretty much shot because if they lose this game, they fall to nine and six. Seattle to eleven and four. And Seattle, I believe, the last game of the season plays uh let's see who Seattle plays here last game of the season they would play San Francisco while uh, the Rams would play Arizona and Arizona is fighting for their playoff lives so you know Arizona's going to put up a bit is going to put up a fight so if the Rams essentially lose this game tomorrow they do not control their own destiny as far as winning the division cuz if Seattle wins tomorrow they would split the season series between the two of them and they would not control their own destiny as far as making the playoffs as a wild card team and or winning the division. So the Rams need to win this game, not just for the division, but to keep their playoff hopes in general alive for 2020. Seattle wins this game. They pretty much have the division locked. I believe, according to Steve Kornacki, they have like a 70-some percent chance of winning the NFC West 
if they uh, if they win tomorrow and knock off the Rams. The Rams, I think, if I were, if I uh, got this right, the Rams, I don't think, have clinched the playoff spot yet. Seattle has with with ten wins at ten four, coming off of their gritty win against Washington on uh, last Sunday. So this is going to be a very vital, key, and important football game as far as the fate of the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks are concerned. If you're the Rams, you it's put up a shut up time now. No excuses now. You gotta you know you've you've played well against the Seahawks since you've had this Ram since you've had this uh, McVeigh golf regime. You've played well against them. You not you absolutely dominated them back in November when you played them at home. No excuses this time. You go to Seattle, you take care of business, no questions asked. Aaron Donald go out there and hunt and you tell Jared Goff not to essentially look like uh Look like, uh, you know, look like uh, Blaine Gabbert throwing the football. It's put up a shut-up time as far as the uh, Los Angeles Rams are concerned. If you're the Seahawks, you got to do a better, you got to rebound after your loss with uh, against the Rams back on November the 15th when your offense was inept as all get-out. Russell Wilson turned over the football left and right when you lost 23-16. Well, this is going to be an intriguing football game. I bet you my brother's going to be on pins and nails uh, watching it bit by bit, play by play, down by down. But uh, that's where you stand as far as the Rams and the Seattle Seahawks are concerned. Game number three, didn't get to the break, and then a week three picks in the league where they play for pay. Uh, between the Tennessee Titans and Green Bay Packers, Tennessee 10-4. and four. Uh, coming off an absolutely dominating win on the at home against the Detroit Lions, Derrick Henry, my MVP candidate, uh, in my honest, in my honest humble opinion, absolutely put on a complete show, uh, and this better be talked about on NBC tomorrow night. The two MVPs, Derrick Henry and Aaron Rodgers, because both of these teams would not be eleven and three and ten and four and sitting in first place if it not be for. Uh, the Titans, Derrick Henry, and the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. Both of these guys just fine, just by themselves will their teams to win games by with pure will and just phenomenal talent and ability alone. I mean, both of those guys are just. I mean, the Chiefs are so much of a complete team. The Packers are not. The Titans are not. That you'd be in you, if you give the ball to Patrick Mahomes. If you give the MVP award to Patrick Mahomes, then you, a, 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 you don't know as much about football as you think you do. You're not paying attention. You know you must ha, you must be within be within Mahomes's uh, posse, or or you or you just love Mahomes so much you have no idea and have no clue of of objectivity and fairness, but. If you give the award Mahomes this year, you're nuts. It comes down to Derrick Henry and Aaron Rodgers. That's it, period. No questions asked. Those are the only two guys I want to hear in the MVP conversation. Derrick Henry and and Aaron Rodgers. That's it. Tennessee coming off of the dominating win, like I stated last week, against the Lions. Green Bay coming off of their win last Saturday against uh, the against the Carolina Panthers. Their offense was very spotty in the second half. Should have put up more points. I think they only put up 23 points in their game on Saturday against the Panthers. They they know it. Aaron Rodgers knows knows that the whole team knows that they should have put up that they should have dropped 30 plus against Carolina on Saturday. Defense wasn't bad. Defense is going to have a tall order because they couldn't stop uh, Dalvin Cook earlier in the season, and this guy is just as good as Dalvin Cook, if not better. So we'll see if uh, that Green Bay Packers defense can control and contain uh, Derrick Henry and not let uh, Ryan Tannehill go off on them on Sunday night. That's where you stand as far as Week 16 in the National Football League is concerned. Take a break. Week 16 picks in the league where they play for pay coming up right after this. Star, a star, dancing in the night 
with a tail as big as a kite, with a tail as big as a kite. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? Sky Shepherd Boy, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song. I love the tree with a voice as big as the sea. With a voice as big as the sea. Said the Shepherd Boy to the mighty king. Couple of things want to get on the board to keep the music going. Uh, on the December 30th episode, which I believe is a Wednesday, New Year's Eve Eve, I will break. I will have a little special segment. I rank the top 10 games of the 2020 uh, sports year. So be on the lookout for that. And then the day after on New Year's Eve. I will have a separate episode of the best interviews of 2020, you know, uh, Mike and the OC on Kobe's death back in January, Brendan recapping Super Bowl 54, Coach Ireton on his coaching career, uh, Evan Cohen, Mad Dog Radio on uh, working with Mad Dog and his life and Poofesher on his uh, raging habit in the video, Mad Dog. Uh, and his uh, in- interesting life, but first, Bing Crosby, finish it off. It is still a Christmas weekend and still the Christmas season, so I had to uh, play you some Bing Crosby there. Um, but yeah, Mad Dog, when his interesting life, you know, I'll find you some uh, some funny, uh, interesting cuts to play during that. And then that's good sports. And of course, Mad Dog's son, Colin, who we had on, what, two weeks ago uh, on his uh, rant that he went on his father's radio show and had and... What, and what's uh, the Mad Dog really like uh, behind closed doors at home uh, from a, a son perspective with Mad Dog, of course, being the father. So got a best of, I got a 2020 best of episode coming. Best interviews that's going to come. That episode's going to be uploaded on December 31st uh, on Thursday, New Year's Eve. And then a segment on uh, December 30th show on Wednesday, the next episode, next time I will talk to you guys. Uh, I will have a segment of the top 10 games of the 2000 of the year 2020. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. That's just two uh, items as far as uh, housekeeping with the show is concerned that I wanted to get on the board. But it is that time. Uh, Saturday episode, NFL Sunday forthcoming. It's time for the week 16 picks in the league where they play for pay. Starting with the Cleveland Browns at the New York Jets. Cleveland coming off of their win against the Jets' crosstown rival Giants on Sunday. They go into New Jersey with uh, with no with little to no one on their original wide receiver uh, room in their wide receiver room. Uh, they're going to have to win this game, run the football with Nick Chubb, and when you're one-dimensional, go up against a team with the Jets who've proved to themselves in America that they indeed can win football games against good teams, uh, having beating the nine-win Rams last week. Give me Cleveland to win this game 17-13. to 13. Uh, Let's see, game number two between the Bengals and the Houston Texans. Bengals, of course, with the upset of the year, if if you want to take out that Jets uh, fiasco. Beating the Steelers at home on Monday Night Football, it's about a Christmas miracle. Houston has really hit the rock and hit the bottom hard. Their favorite minus eight. Give me Houston win the game 28 to 20. And Cleveland, by the way, is favorite minus nine and a half. Pittsburgh and the Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis favorite minus a point and a half going up against Pittsburgh on the road at Heinz Field. Give me Indianapolis to win this game 27 
to 24. Chicago favored minus seven and a half, and with that Arizona loss, they control their own destiny to make the playoffs as the wild card team in the NFC. Give me Chicago to win the game 27 to 17 going up against the hapless Jacksonville Jaguars. Favorite Chicago favorite minus seven and a half. Carolina going up against Washington. Washington favorite minus two and a half. Carolina coming off of a tough loss uh, last week against the uh, Green Bay Packers last Saturday. While Washington coming off a tough loss of their own. Dwayne Haskins, uh, if he's not bouncing around strip clubs, he sure as hell better play better this week. If he's, uh, I believe he is starting. Uh, Don't quote me on that. I'll check that at the end of the pick segment. But, um... Their fair minus two and a half could win the NFC East with a win today, or excuse me, with a win on Sunday, which would be ironic going up against Ron Rivera's old team. Washington favorite minus two and a half. Uh, give me Washington to win the game 23 to 14. The Giants going up against the Ravens. The Giants coming off of a loss to the Ravens division rival Cleveland last week. They go on the road to play the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore favorite minus 11 points. Absolutely uh, wiped the floor with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. Ravens home home finale for 2020. They will not play another home game because they will not win the division. They have to make the playoffs as a wildcard team. And unless some funky scenario happens, it's safe to say they're not going to play another home game after tomorrow until September of 2021. Give me the Ravens to win the game 35-13. to Atlanta going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Atlanta Falcons blew another uh, double-digit lead to Tom Brady last week at home. They go on the road to chilly Kansas City where Kansas City took care of business against Atlanta's division rival Saints. Kansas City favorite minus 10.5. Give me the Kansas City Chiefs to win 42-17. Denver go up against the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers favorite minus three. Chargers uh, won in overtime. It seems like it was a century ago against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders on the road. They returned home while Denver uh, coming coming uh, coming into Los Angeles to play the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers favorite minus three. Give them give me the Chargers to win the game by three. 27 to 24. And the Rams, all the Rams coming off of an embarrassing loss at home against the New York Jets going up against the Seattle Seahawks coming off of a win on the road having to fly cross country to play the uh, Washington uh, Redskins. Uh, Seattle favorite minus two. Looking to seek revenge of their loss back in mid-November when they lost to the Rams at uh, at SoFi. Rams, if they want to control their own destiny and want to essentially uh, and want and want to essentially lock up the division, keeping it away from Seattle because of tiebreaker, they need to get back on track and check themselves before they before they wreck themselves and beat Seattle tomorrow. Meanwhile, Seattle, if they win this game. The Rams do not control their own destiny. They can make the playoffs, but they do not control their own destiny in getting there. The chances of winning the division is slim to none, and winning and getting it as a and getting in as a wild card team is going to be pretty difficult, considering the situation with the Cardinals and the Bears and all that nonsense. Seattle favorite minus two, giving the Seahawks to win by three and to essentially lock up the NFC West, 24 to 21 at home, with uh, no 12th man sitting there. Philadelphia favorite minus one and a half coming off of a tough loss where they played offensively quite decent with Jalen Hurts' second career start. Going on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys coming off of uh, their win. They've looked like they've patched up. They've patched together a couple of back-to-back wins. Beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Beat uh, the San Francisco 49ers at home. They still, it's hard to believe, they still have a slither, a thread of hope of winning the NFC East and sneaking their way into the playoffs. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening with the Eagles either. Eagles favorite minus one and a half. Give me the Eagles win the game 28-26. Tennessee at Green Bay. Green Bay favored by field goal. Give me Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to win the game 27-24. Buffalo coming off of their win uh, last week, uh, minus at, at Denver last Saturday. Give me the Buffalo winning their first division title in 25 years. Give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game 
by a final score of 35-17. They're fair minus seven. New England, their season's loss, uh, had a season-ending season loss on the road at Miami last week. New England is toast for the year. Buffalo is just looking just to pad their wins into and, and to try to see if any way possible they can uh, steal that number one seed from Kansas City. Not likely, but hey, you never know. That's why you got to play the games. Give me Buffalo to win the game. Favored by a touchdown, 35-17. And those are your Week 16 picks in the league where they play for pay. And that is your episode of the Amataka TIS podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield and the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore it TIS. It's your boy Josh Shields. Talk to you on Wednesday for the final 2020 episode of the Amatella TIS podcast. Recap week 16 and all the fixes as far as the NBA is concerned. It's your boy Josh Shields. God bless. Y'all stay safe and take care. See you.